With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Do you need new clothes? If you're like me, then you certainly do. Anti-Forever USA is where you need to be to get those clothes. They got everything from hats and beanies to t-shirts and long sleeves to hoodies and windbreakers with more clothing coming soon. My listeners get 10% off using the promo code PLATTE. That's capital P-L-A-T-T-E. Link is in the description of the podcast. Shop Anti-Forever USA today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Strictly Hip Hop. Welcome back for a surprise podcast. Yes, this is another edition of the Classic Album Review. Here to review Notorious B.I.G.'s Life After Death on the special 20th anniversary. Had to do it this year, the 20th anniversary, and had to bring in my guy, Will Gill. Will, how you doing? Good, man. Feeling good. Uh, Glad to be on this classic series with you, and uh, I'm excited to talk some Biggie, man. I'm feeling good. Yeah, man. Um, you know, I had you on Pac. Uh, you a West Coast dude, so I didn't. I, I didn't know if I felt right bringing you on the Biggie Pod, but nah, nah, I had to, <laughs> I had to man. Um, you were you were great on the Tupac Pod. So if you missed that one, check it out. Me and Will Gill broke down all eyes on me and debated on whether we we would give it the classic stamp or not. And there was actually there was actually a debate behind it too. So it was it was an yeah, interesting there's... podcast check it out there's a surprise ending so if you guys haven't heard it uh make sure you check it out <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah for sure for sure so all right like i said we are here to break down life after death on its 20th anniversary just about two and a half weeks after the 20th anniversary of the passing of notorious pig this album was uh released and so a, a little background information, if you don't know who Biggie is, which, you know, at this point, feel free to stop the podcast, unsubscribe. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, this, album, this album follows up, like, in the most literal sense to, it's it's literally in the most literal sense, a follow-up to Biggie's debut LP, Ready to Die, which ended with uh, the song Suicidal Tendencies, and this album actually opens up with the same skit and Puff sitting beside Big in the hospital praying for him to come back and then it flatlines and transitions into album the skit is up for debate some people say uh big pull through and is alive some people say you know this whole album is like big as he crosses over to heaven which is actually creates like a very scary theme because 
you know, obviously he died tragically uh, and unexpectedly before, uh, right before the release of this album. So, uh, you know, it just it's it's open for it's open for debate. Uh, the album sold six hundred and ninety thousand copies in its first week, and by God the damn. year two, yeah, by the year two thousand, sold over five million, certifying the album as diamond because it is a double album. So they didn't need ten million; you need five million sales to get diamond. Um, so nonetheless, this album put up the numbers and, uh, check out the article, uh, consequence of sound. They got a dope breakdown of this album. Check it out. I'll put the link in the description cause it was, it was very interesting, had a lot of interesting perspectives and, and just a very insightful breakdown. If you got time, read that. But anyways, Will Gill, let's get into it. We're going to break down a few tracks and, uh, then we're going to, debate on if this album is a classic album and we'll either induct it into the strictly hip-hop classic album shrine of i don't know (laughs) and and um and or we'll just you know we'll uh we'll have to put it aside and maybe revisit it so will gil let's start with i'll let you start so give me a track that you like off this album and you want to talk about all right, man. Um, I think for my first track, since we're talking about death so much, you know, it's just like brings kind of like a bad mood over everything. So I'm gonna try to brighten everything up, and I'm gonna bring up track number ten, "Mo Money, Mo Problems." And uh, nice. this song to me is just like one of the greatest songs of all time. The record has just such a great vibe to it. It uses the Diana Ross sample, "I'm Coming Out," and uh, we get blessed with like three of the coolest verses like ever assembled on one record. All three verses on this track follows like a similar tone, but like structure wise, all kind of follow the same rules, especially with the open. We get a peak mace on this record, laid back, confident flow, who's mostly doshi, down to the tube socks, the same old pimp mace, you know, nothing changed but my limp. We get a braggadocious Diddy verse, dropping signature Diddy lines like 10 years from now, we'll still be on top. Yo, I thought I told you that we won't stop. And uh, Biggie's verse is like smart that they put it last because as soon as he comes on, he just overtakes the record. B I G P O P P A, no info for the D E A, instantly demands your Damn. attention. Big's flow is like flawless. He manages to like drop like subtle cool bars that illustrate the street and superstar balance that Big's been like juggling his whole career with uh, Gats and Hostas, Girls on Shoulders, Playboy, I Told Ya. It's like. It, if you're listening to the record, it won't even catch your ear and you could like, wouldn't even think it's special, but like the more you think about it, like the more clever it becomes and the more it kind of illustrates who Biggie is as a rapper and um, overall dope record. You could put it on anywhere. It's going to put everybody in good spirits. Great song. Yeah, man. Uh, I mean, I know we're supposed to kind of deep dive these records a little, but I think you hit on pretty much everything I had to say. You know, Puff was doing his thing. Um, I'm not the biggest Puff fan in the world, but you know what? On this song, you know, that's definitely in his lane, in his pocket, if you'll say. Um, And Biggie, you know, at first it does kind of, like, especially when you take in the context of the album, it does kind of feel like a little a little out there, like a little uh, kind of, um, and, and there's a few records on here that, kind of show big beginning to drift off into pop and from the articles i read it was more so like a uh, bad boy and a puff thing that uh that than a biggie thing but nonetheless biggie comes on as you said he you know brings it lyrically he he just he, goddamn i mean 
he is he is like if, of all the big dudes man he's got to be the king of swag of all the big dudes in the game because yeah. <laughs> he just no no one has that persona and that swagger like biggie and you know so i, I love to hear records like that records like hypnotize uh records like fucking you tonight like all these records are really dope and um i don't mean to uh i don't mean to bunch them all together because we'll talk about some of them a little later but uh, you know, it's it just again. This is this is a great song to where you know it shows like the braggadocious Biggie, the the fun, uh, playful Biggie, and you know again just that swagger, man. Um, real real nice record, definitely a standout record on this album. I would one hundred percent have to agree. Cool, cool, man. So uh, what about you? What kind of record you want to hop into, man? Ah, uh, man. Uh, well, you know, I. I, well, let's start with right after the intro. Somebody's got to die. Hell of a start to the album. Uh, those nice drums clashing with the synth create this just m- mean beat. It's so, it's so uh, dirty and grimy, and everything from the rain to the doorbell to the gun cock to the plane. All these sound effects create such a vivid imagery, and uh, and it also depends on how you interpret the intro, um, how you interpret this song, because you know, like you said, if if you interpret this as big is alive, um, you know, big, big is getting his revenge or whatever, or if you look at it from uh, the afterlife perspective of big, so you can look at this record different ways. And, you know, that that's very interesting because a lot of artists nowadays aren't able to do that outside of like Kendrick Lamar is like the first one that comes to mind is artists that are able to tell a story, but to make you interpret it different ways. Like you can interpret this story on so many different what so many different ways and so many different perspectives and to do that you have to be you have to really structure a story well and you know you can't misplace any words everything's gotta everything's gotta fit so strategically and so i i really like the song and i think it's one of the prime examples of biggie's storytelling which is a very strong uh, and compelling component on this whole album yeah you know when like artists make songs and they say it's a movie. Like this record is really a movie. Like it makes you yeah. like it's a you can hear it and you can visualize everything Big is saying. And I like that you brought up the point about like the doorbells and stuff. It really like puts you into like you're in somebody's house and it's pretty dope. And then when you're getting into an album and this is like the first song you hear and you hear like this masterful storytelling, like it's nice to be like, oh shit, I'm really yeah. about to be listening to something special because you know. That song is truly unique. It's like full on with characters. Like there's the big homie Sing from the 16th floor, the dead homie C Rock, Jason, the dude that they're gonna hit. There's even like uh, storytelling devices that like pull you closer into the story where the uh, big says, Revenge, I'm tasting on the tip of my lips. And uh, there's even yeah. like a plot twist at the end of the story, which I won't spoil because I want you guys to go back to this album. But yeah, I agree with you, man. The storytelling on that record is amazing. Yeah, and I mean, just like, just like, even the even the chorus of the song, even the hook of the song is just, you know, somebody's gotta die, and it's just like, and it's just like, damn, already big. The album yeah, just yeah. started. <laughs> the first real song is somebody gotta go. Like, come on, yeah, man. Bro. We, we already had somebody die on the intro. Now yeah. you, now you already like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, it's a lot um, to take in. Yeah, it was it was a dope it was a dope way to set up the album because um, I'll get to it later in overall thoughts, but uh, just the overall it fits the overall perception of the album very well. So, uh, Will Gill, give me another track you wanna you wanna highlight. Okay, man. Um, I wanna hop into Ten Crack Commandments, 
as soon okay. as my shit yeah you like that <laughs> oh as, yeah as soon as this track comes on man you get hit in the face with that nasty dj premiere beat and it's just laced with that signature scratching that you know most dj premiere beats come with it's like that's just some classic stuff right there the record will always be special because you got one of hip-hop's like greatest producers working with one of hip-hop's greatest rappers so it's a win-win scenario Dope, dope concept for the record. Biggie's laying out all the rules for the street hustlers. My favorite rule is a uh, rule number seven: keep your family and business completely separated, cause money and blood don't mix like two dicks and no bitch. Like <laughs> great rule, Biggie. <laughs> funny story great about rule. and then a funny story about the about the record. The instrumental was made for a, a promo beat for the Angie Martinez countdown show. That's why there's there's like counting in the instrumental. And Biggie heard it, mm. he flipped it, and the, the rest is history. So uh, if you're an inspiring uh, street hustler out there and you haven't heard this record yet, man, you got to start applying for some new jobs because uh, you're breaking, you probably breaking some commandments. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, you know, that that was actually like the first thing I had in my notes when I when I had this song pulled up was, uh, was uh, you know, hey, I mean, it's, it's some solid advice if you're trying to pursue that business. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know uh, once again uh, just a very authentic record uh, combined with dope lyricism and I don't know why but to me like to me like the the whole counting structure of the song the way he structures the song is just so intriguing to me and how he's able to fit everything together so seamlessly it's just I mean man it's 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 so impeccable that and, and we'll get We'll, we'll say this a lot throughout the album but it's just every song is so dense it's so tightly packed it's like it's like when you're hearing these instrumentals when you're hearing these songs you can't imagine any other person over it than the people that are on it doing what they're doing yeah to add on to your point like this song could go wrong so many different ways and it's literally just flawless yeah yeah, I mean, and, and it's also one of Biggie's like most iconic songs too which surprises me because like Honestly, a lot of people, even people that kind of know hip-hop but don't really, like, this is a song that they know. You know, it, it's funny that this is one of his most uh, popular songs. Yeah, he's the Moses of the streets, man. He's coming down with the commandments, so you'll always forever be <laughs> remembered for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, um, yeah, dope record, dope record. Um, but uh, the last one I want to bring up is uh, Long Kiss Goodnight. Now, this one... And Will Gill, I don't know if you interpreted it this way, but I didn't interpret it this way um, until until my first uh, my first few listens after. So I mean, this was something that I had thought about for a long time, listened to this album for years, and it kind of grew on me. But uh, but but yeah, like the first couple times, I didn't get this. But uh, maybe this is a shot at Tupac. This this song. That's um, what I've heard. That's what I've heard. Yeah. Um, I'll break down the. I'll give you guys a line that everybody seems to say is pointed at Pac, and it says, "You rest internally, sleepy. You burn when you creep me." Damn. So I mean, if that's a shot, man. I mean, that's basically Pac at this point is already deceased, and you know he's talking from the perspective of you know Pac's in hell right now, but um, you know creeping on big. Uh, just a very very questionable questionable hit um i mean but at the same time you got to respond after hit him up so i don't know um it's never really been confirmed uh will sees his cousin said it was about him uh, said sorry the record was about tupac but uh then later retracted the statement 
and uh, fun fact, it was actually produced by the RZA. So um, that was something I didn't know. Also, um, so Wu Tang had a little bit of involvement in that in that instrumental as um, instrumental as well. But overall, just a just a great record, hell of a track. Um, but yeah, well, Gil, uh, what do you think? Do you think this is a shot at Tupac, or do you think this is just Biggie talking Biggie? Man, the more I listen to it, the more I'm just like, this has to be a a diss to Tupac and. What a fucking savage ass song because he had to write this after Tupac's death. And yeah. if this is what it is, which it really does sound like it. Like the hook says, time, time for you to die as I kiss your ass goodnight. Like, come on, man. It's cutting pretty close. He said, rest where the worms and the weak be. Like, come on, man. And I think uh, the person that says this song is not about Tupac is Diddy. And Diddy is like yeah, the yeah. most like brand conscious person out of like all the bad boy people. So of course he would say it's not about Pac because it is pretty foul. Like people that you're talking about somebody that passed away, but the tone of the record, the things that Tupac said to Biggie and then the way Biggie is like as a person, like as a rapper, like he says a lot of foul things throughout this whole album. So it kind of seems in character that it would be a post death diss song. Yeah. But, uh, Hey man, this record is savage. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, but to be fair, Puff also didn't admit that he killed Big. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> easy, easy. <laughs> uh, no, I, I love that. I love throwing that jab out there. You know, um, but but yeah, there, that's one of the conspiracy theories for of of the many. You know, of uh, the Tupac and and Biggie deaths. Um, but yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, I I tend to think it's it's about Tupac too. Um, you know, with just how hard Tupac came at him, it, it so long. Uh, Biggie Biggie had to feel some type of way because, and it's different because Biggie like outside of outside of rapping, like he's always been looked at as a positive dude. Yeah. Uh, now some of that's been some of that's been more shaded because of because of the fact that he passed away. You know, you don't want to speak ill of the dead. So like there 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 is a extent to which um it it might get overblown out of proportion his kindness. But um he was a really positive dude. Um he even had the interview right after Pac died saying you know it's tragic. Uh I didn't see it coming. You know I just thought he was gonna pull through. I know we had our beef, but like I don't wish death on nobody. Um. So, so, you know, like Biggie did put on a, um, a good media, uh, PR presence when it came to the situation. But at the same time, when somebody came at you with, that's why I fucked your wife, you fat motherfucker, uh, it's going to be hard. You're going to be hard pressed to not retaliate in any way, especially because Tupac not only said in that record, but said it in many interviews, many shows, many, just many, uh, scenarios. So to me, I tend to think it is a shot, and, you know, I mean, I guess we can't criticize Big too much, because at the same time, you know, he unfortunately suffered the same the same tragic fate as Pac, so, you know, but it, it, it's interesting. It's definitely something, it's definitely one of those uh, mysteries that will probably always remain unsolved. Yeah, to really, to, like, add on to your point, man, it's like, if there's one person in this world that, like, didn't need to feel remorse when Tupac died. Like, if it was Biggie, like, you know, can you really be that mad at him? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, well, let, let's go to a little lighter note. Uh, 
Well, Gil, you got you got one more track, don't you? Or, yeah, or did yeah. you go through your? Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Uh, I want to bring up the track "Last Day," and I, the reason okay. why I bring this song up is because to me, like this record, out of all the songs on the album, is like on some just straight up hip hop shit. It's like a gritty yeah. beat uh, that gets laced with just like three, four Mike bullies. The track opens up with like a very New York chic verse, which is super dope. Uh, followed by what I think is the best verse on the song. You could tell me if you think I'm um, wrong, but I think Jada Kiss has the best verse on the song. And he opens it up with, uh, you already know what it's about. I run up in your house, put the gun up in your mouth, and get the money out the couch. <laughs> like, that shit's always hard, dog. And then uh, yeah. the style P verse is solid. Biggie verse at the end is just filled with great bars that like constantly catch your ear. Just like, oh, one time I'm listening to it, I'll hear this bar would stick out. Next time I listen to it, another bar sticks out and uh that's kind of right. like biggie's skill it's just like he has all this subtle coolness and it's just if you're toned in to catch it at the moment and uh this record i like to call it just like head nod music it's just a whole bunch of just rappers rapping yeah you know doing their job and uh just great hip-hop record overall man how you feel about exactly it, man uh man you hit the nail on the head here man it's it's definitely just a, a hip-hop record man uh in its truest form you know just a bunch of mcs going in on a beat uh and for some weird reason um actually you know at the time we're recording this it got delayed a little bit and this is actually why will go because i was researching very very in depth i was researching trying to figure out because i swear to god this song was on like one of the two k's like oh. <laughs> one of the NBA 2Ks. I don't know why, but I like I'm I'm like so confident that it's on one of the 2Ks. So if y'all know the 2K soundtracks, uh, shout me out and let me know what one is on because man, I spent like a good half hour trying to figure that shit out and it did not it did not go over well. But um, yeah, man, it's it's my jam. And uh, again, you talked about Jada. Um, I would have to give the 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 nod to Big but uh but jada definitely did his thing and it was actually dope because like if if you're listening to this record like you know uh like if if you didn't know who the locks were like you you might not have caught that that was jada yeah because jada <laughs> jada now is like way more raspy and you know his his voice was just i mean he sounds like he sounds like a human yeah to add on to your point he doesn't even do the jada kiss like aha like none of that on yeah. this verse it's just jada rapping yeah it's just jada rapping and you know it's just like it's just like you can tell because of his pronunciation that it's still jada but like it sounds nothing like a um for example the don't ever play yourself record he was on last year with uh with uh busta rhymes and um dj khaled and fat joe and uh fab yeah yeah and kent jones yeah, so, um, yeah, again, like, if you just listen to those two tracks, like, it's almost like, damn, is this really the same person? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Jada did his thing, man. He's one of my favorite MCs, actually. So, you know, I, I love the locks. I love Jada. Um, it, it was dope that we got to get this collab because in what turned out to be such a short career for Big, um, it was glad to, I was glad to see this collab happen. Word, word, word. Hey man, uh, All right. so well, do you want to hop into another track? Do you have one more or? Yes, yes, I actually have one more, and um, it's "Kicking the Door," which was again another early song off of uh off of the first album of the double album, and uh right after "Hypnotize" actually, and it's just man, 
So hypnotized, you're just bouncing, and then all of a sudden kicking the door. This you know scene comes in with this salty dude about how he dropped four albums and big, <laughs> uh, and big dropped one, and his and big is popping now. And this guy's still broke and living with his mom. Hilarious. He's like, skip. Who the fuck is Hilarious you asking skip, me these the questions? <laughs> That's my favorite part. <laughs> Man, that could be that could be one of those uh, one of those sound sound drops for like a podcast or a video or something. I, I might like have that. to I might have to turn that into a sound drop. Yeah, I like but, that. Uh, but yeah, it was a it was a dope um it was a dope dope uh skit and then it leads right into his song and just damn it's just like this mean ass bass line and and the the horn coming through and the trumpet man like all that shit just to to blend with that hard ass kick in the beat man that shit just you just instantly bounce and you're just like you're just like oh shit like it really feels like somebody's just breaking into yeah. your house like with that with that record it sounds and like so, the instrumental is trying to break into your door <laughs> exactly exactly yeah it's so it, it's just a hard knock and think big does his thing and um you know um this one is definitely a diss track at Nas for sure, and Raekwon and Ghostface, which is interesting because, like I said on one of the earlier songs I highlighted, which was Long Kiss Goodnight, it was produced by RZA, but yet um, on this one he goes at Raekwon and Ghostface. Whoa. So you know it's it was it was a very interesting thing, and um, RZA actually spoke on that uh, a little af- after his death, saying that yeah. Like obviously, um, it was it was kind of like he he almost last minute didn't produce Long Kiss Goodnight because of the beef between between um the the two camps between Big and Wu Tang, but at the same time um at the same time uh he he was he was kind of tight with Big so you know um you know they they did they, they ended up doing the record and uh yeah it's just interesting because he's got one one song he's going at uh he's one album he's going at uh one out al- one of the two albums he's going at Wu-Tang the other one he's uh he's working with them so just interesting <laughs> interesting uh we'll get what are your thoughts on that record yeah uh just pretty much co-sign everything you said the uh kick in the door wave in the full full is like one of the most <laughs> infectious hooks of all time like people are constantly sampling it that's how like infectious yeah. it is and uh Biggie drops one of my favorite just kind of like whatever lines on this song on the song where he says, uh, you cursed it, but rehearsed it. I dropped unexpected like bird shit is like every time like, yeah. for some reason, those bars just jump out the song and I just chuckle to myself every time. I know, man, every, every time, like, you know, and then he's got the line who's next to flip on the cat with that grip on the, on rap, yeah. like the most shady tell him Frankie, baby, ain't no telling where I may be Mace. Yeah. Like he just, Man, he he just he he just really talks that talk on this record, um, and you know again like he does it on so many records on here, but uh, I, again it's just like it's like every record is almost like stands out in its own way, even though he's like talking shit on all his records. It's like each one is just like damn, this could be the hardest one. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, um, that was that was my song. But uh, quickly, uh, you got a song you want to hit before we um, quickly hit before we move on into overall thoughts. Um, yeah, I want to bring up just one more song, and I just want to bring it up just because I think it's hilarious. And just in case like you guys don't know the story behind this song, I just want to tell it, and it's uh, I got a story to tell. And yeah. and yo, this this song is probably like the best story ever put on a record. 
everything starting with like Big having sex with like a New York Knicks player wife, and uh, that yeah. rumored player is Anthony Mason. You know, just for the fact that yep. that name's out there, it makes the song like forever interesting. And then the story flips <laughs> yeah. of him like getting caught up and then realizing he has the burner on him. So he ties up the girl, ends up robbing the house. Like, yo, that is an amazing story. Then you add on like that smooth instrumental with like the fire ass kicks. And then you got the signature Biggie flow. Like you really have a special record. A great story, super funny. And just like the authenticity of Biggie on this song and pretty much throughout this whole album is just like amazing. Like he's a superstar rapper and somehow just like super relatable, just like an everyday person. Seems like somebody you would just like kind of listen and kick it with. And uh, it's pretty amazing, man. Yeah. You wouldn't let your bitch around him though. I'll tell you uh -uh. that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, you know, it's funny about that record is like, is that that story is actually 100% true. So, um, Will, I think we may have solved the uh, murder of, of Biggie. It's Anthony Mason. <laughs> it's Anthony Mason, man. Blame it on the Knicks. Blame it on the Knicks. Why not? Nah, the Knicks are down. Let's not kick them while they're yeah. down right now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, man, I'm I'm glad you brought that one up real quick because that was a that was a nice, uh, fun fun story, fun moment. And actually, yeah, there was a Vlad TV interview that I watched like. Man, I want to say like a month or two ago, maybe two months now, and um, it was just breaking down. Uh, he, it was somebody who knew Anthony Mason who confirmed that story. Um, I don't know if that was the place where the news broke, like at the time the news broke. Mm. Um, I don't know how long it's been out in the open, but um, you know, on Rap Genius, it, it it was stating that it could have been John Starks's girl or Derek Harper's girl as well. Um, so you know. So it, it's just like it was kind of up in the air but i guess on vlad tv it was confirmed i don't know if that was if that was the moment the news broke or not i'm not entirely sure or if that was something that they just talked about that had already broken as news but uh yeah so check out uh there was a vlad tv interview on it um if i find it before i drop the podcast i'll put the link in the description if not check out vlad tv and i'm sure you can find it there but uh, yeah. Um, let me let me hit on a, a quick song. Uh, we talked about these two. Um, well, I I actually kind of mentioned them briefly. Is uh, the fucking you tonight with R. Kelly and Hypnotize and fucking you tonight with R. Kelly is just such a smash hit, man. Uh, R. Kelly, you know, obviously like the goat of the goat of like R and B, and one of the goats in the game and. Uh, the the album showed like i said earlier that puff and bad boy wanted to start transitioning into a more pop direction um as far as like as far as making their albums a little lighter because again ready to die was so dark and uh, this album was also so dark um but it had moments like this and records like these that are not only not only a, a break from the album but uh, but also like a break from the emotion of the album because uh, it's it's one thing that I've learned over the years of listening to and reviewing music is that when it comes to the structure of an album, it's very important because um, sometimes like, let's say to Pimp a Butterfly, for example, there's a reason why um, why For Free happens in the, at the point it happens and it's, be, it's, to, uh, it's to like be an um, emotional remedy. It's like how after Black or the Berry, the Kendrick has a soft beat transition into You Ain't Gotta Lie, which is kind of an upbeat kick it um kicking song. So, you know, it, it's like it's like um you gotta follow not only like structure do the songs fit together, 
but emotionally do the songs fit together. Just like everybody grilled um, uh, Kanye West on his that part remix or that part um, feature on, on the song. But that part was strategically placed in that album right after Lord Have Mercy, where Q was saying a lot of things. And then right after it transitioned into one of the deeper cuts of the album, which was um, uh, Groovy Tony, Eddie Kane. So, you know, um, that was just an interesting thought that I had and, um, you know, just kind of wanted to share it. And again, Hypnotize is a smash hit as well. It's probably, I would say, would you agree, Will, that it's his most iconic song? Uh, I would say Juicy is. Mm. But uh, it's, yeah, ju- it's prob- Juicy and Hypnotize for sure. Those are like his two biggest records. Yeah, yeah for sure, for sure. Um, yeah, but again, Hypnotize is like something, man, you can just be driving home on a Friday and hear that shit on the radio. Yeah. Like, it's it's crazy. You don't even have to be it's listening to a, that... a hip-hop station for that song to come on. Yeah, you don't. You don't. And and that's the funny thing is with how much the genre has shifted in so many it. it in all these years that 20 years later this song is still being heard on the radio and it's not just on the day that big died it can be on a random tuesday when you're on your morning commute to work like that song can just come on it's funny how that song has really just stood the test of time and it's just a dope beat so um i feel we had to talk about that song really quickly because that was uh definitely like definitely one of the highlights and the biggest songs of his career so i definitely felt like we had to include that in the pod yeah, that song that bass line is just nasty man that bass line nasty is just, that alone will just have you riding along with the beat you don't have to even listen to the lyrics yeah man uh for sure uh did you have any other records you wanted to quickly hit or do you want to just transition into overall thoughts uh, i was gonna ask you man uh do you want to talk about i love the dough Okay, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Hey, man, how do you feel about uh, Jay-Z hearing Jay-Z and uh, Biggie on the record together? I want to get your thoughts first. Well, okay. First off, I'm in the camp of Jay-Z is the GOAT. So, um, you know, go ahead and at me if you disagree already. <laughs> uh, but but uh, Jay-Z, Jay-Z, man, so, like, to me, like, this is so cool because this is kind of, like, this isn't like a starting point for Jay-Z, but it's like definitely an early part of Jay-Z. So like it's it's very interesting to see. And, you know, obviously with Big being one of my favorites as well as Jay-Z being one of my favorites, you know, it's kind of like one of those dream collabs that, you know, you just you always think you always wish happened. And except this one actually did. So, you know, it was it was it was dope. You know, I, I would have loved to have seen a, a Jay-Z a few years later going with a going with Biggie. But, you know, obviously circumstances didn't allow that to happen. But, yeah, man, uh, this song was great. And it, it this whole album, uh, like you said, we were we were texting about the album, I think. I, it was either a text or a phone call. And we were, anyways, we were conversing about the album. And you said that it's funny how that song specifically, as well as other songs, really showed, like, kind of, you, you could see that this album sort of started to pave the way for what Hove was going to do. And... Yeah, so that was that was very interesting. You want to elaborate on your point yeah, there? Yeah, I would just to like add on what you're saying is like this album pretty much seems like it it put the foundation down for like Jay Z to build the the mansion that he's built. <laughs> and, and like this record, <laughs> like a lot of people say they well when they want to discredit Jay Z, they want to say he pretty much took Big Style and ran with it. And if Big was still alive, mm-hmm. you know Jay Z probably just be one of many. 
But just for the fact that Jay-Z's on a record with Big and they're going toe-to-toe, like, it's not like uh, Big serving him up or, you know... They're they're pretty close. Yeah. They're both coming at it real strong, and if and it, it seems like Biggie's okay with Jay Z kind of you know riding around with the same style. So why would anybody else care? And uh, I just love the record, man. Just great vibe out record, and uh, I love driving to the song for some reason. Yeah, man, uh, great song to drive. Do great. Just a great song for again if you're a hip hop head, especially if you're an East Coast hip hop head. You know, this is like a moment for yeah. you. You know and. It almost becomes an uh, an unexpected ceremony passing of the torch type, um, almost. And you know, not in not in the sense like the song wasn't structured that way, but again, because of the circumstances, it kind of it kind of almost paves that way and uh, gives that vibe of like you know, kind of the passing of the torch to the next uh, to the next god of the New York area, so in the New York Brooklyn area, Where? so. Yeah, dope record, man. Uh, I'm glad. I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, let's transition into overall thoughts. I'll let you kick it off. All right, man. Um, so this record, like you said, is a double album. We get about 24 songs, and I usually hate double albums just because it feels like two CDs filled with like every song recorded for the album, like with no concept. Like there's usually no content control. But this 24-song album like just kept my attention the whole time. This album's like a movie. It's like Biggie created like an alternative universe where at one hand he's like leading shootouts and then at the next moment he's a superstar rapper like shitting on groupies. It's like, there's so much to take away from this album. There's great records like Hypnotize, Kick in the Door, Fucking You Tonight, Last Day, I Love the Dough. Even like records like What's Beef when I listen to it now in like 2000 and. 17 i'm just like oh beef in the 90s were so dramatically different than uh beef now especially like on that record biggie's talking about he has people that'll kidnap kids and like fuck them in the asshole and then like throw them over a bridge like that's fucking some heavy shit man and like you'd be like oh this drake and meek mill beef it's very different than the beef that biggie's talking about on this (laughs) record and uh like right. the storytelling is crazy down to like niggas bleed. I got a story to tell. It's we get a, a bump thugs record with a uh, biggie with notorious thugs where biggie pretty much take the uh the bump thug style and like do it better than them. And uh we get like just a lot of great records. Ten crack commandments, um Sky is the limit, one of my favorite records to just kind of throw on and vibe out to. And then the back end of this album with uh, My Downfall, Long Kiss, Goodnight, and You're Nobody Till Somebody Kills You really leaves you with like this heavy, eerie feeling just because like what what we know happened to Biggie after that, especially when you're left with You're Nobody Till Somebody Kills You. It's like I'm ready for the album to yeah. be done, but it's like what a masterful finish. Great record all the way through, 24 songs. I never thought a double album could... Uh, ride as smooth as this album does yeah man uh you said it uh and we talked about it on the all eyes on me which was also a double album uh very interesting contrast because you and i both said that there were some definitely some filler moments on that album and yet um this one man like like you said i i don't know of many double albums that are this well put together this well constructed and um you know each album does tell a story does uh does fit a theme and a cohesion and 
once again, it's like, it's just like you said, man, it's so eerie because of the circumstances that happened and caused big, um, that caused Big's death and everything. And again, it's like, it's like this album, because of his death, became just so much bigger than even what it was. Like, this was already a phenomenal album, but the even the title, man, just Life After Death, and then, of course, Big E dies just two weeks before this album drops, like... Man, you, you could not have like prophesized this better, yeah, right? Literally, like, you could have. There's like a rapping TV show, and then this is the storyline. I would walk away saying, "This is pretty unrealistic." Like that's how unbelievable this <laughs> yeah. scenario is. It's crazy. Yeah, man, it's it's wild. Um, so to to echo a lot of your sentiments, I don't want to echo all of them, but. Again, just the darkness of this album, very dark album outside of those few light uh hearted moments like fucking you tonight, hypnotize, all these all these records. Um there there were a few, but um yeah, lyrically, man, I mean we don't really gotta talk about it too much, but man, it was just so incredible because I we we definitely we definitely gave you some evidence in this podcast of some dope lyrical content, but we also left out a lot too. Um, to me, well, if you're ready to move on to it, to me, I would just, I don't know, I might be bold here, but, uh, I think this is a damn good album and I think this is a classic. <laughs> Way to jump out there, Chris Platty. I would say, man. Yeah, no one else is saying this. <laughs> I, I definitely co-sign. I'll be crazy not to. This album has like a great balance of like gritty, clever darkness from Biggie. And there's just like an uh, eclectic range of sounds thanks to like Diddy bringing in like kind of his brightness to the album. And uh, man, this album's a classic. Everything I would ever want from a hip hop album I receive from this. I get like witty bars, great records, uh, just like some hard shit, some diss records, a lot of things that I could eat on for a while. And uh, anything you would want from a hip hop album, man, this double album has it. It has everything. Yeah. It has everything. It has the hits. It has the storytelling. It has the lyricism. Like you said, it even has diss tracks, which is like, you know, it, it covers like every pocket, every avenue of hip hop, every every little box you want to check off if you're a hip hop fan. This album definitely, uh, this, de- this album definitely checks off each box. So yeah, again, to me, uh, in all seriousness, that was a joke earlier, but yes, it's definitely, <laughs> it's definitely a classic, man. Um, it, it it's phenomenal. It's one of the crown jewels of the of the New York uh Brooklyn area definitely like just and not even just that but just overall in hip hop I mean man this is like you'd be hard pressed to find somebody that doesn't say this is not only a classic but one of the greatest albums ever yeah. so um w- once again man it is very interesting but um w- will gill before before we get out of here, I do want to um, I do want to talk about really quickly one thing that we talked about on Pac's, uh pod, and I feel like I feel like we should tie it the circle and kind of bring things uh, full circle here on the big record. And you spark you said something that sparked a thought in my brain, and that's uh, uh, and this was on the Pac review. So once again, go check that out because these two definitely go. Co- uh, coincide with each other and um you said that Pac was just you could you could only imagine if Pac had somebody like Puff in his corner instead of Suge 
because it, because of how polished uh, Big was because of what what Puff did and versus Suge who just really didn't know how to. He really let's be honest, all Suge knew how Shake to do was to down. beat people yeah. up. <laughs> he could get you out your contract. Yeah. That's about um, it. <laughs> yeah, man, he's great for getting you out of his contract, <laughs> man. He just I guess he just finds loopholes yeah, in contracts. Or, or I don't if know what to say. Somebody to get ran over, you know, Suge could do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. Um, Suge Knight, what an yeah. evil dude, by the way. Um, but yeah, uh, definitely, definitely dark cloud of hip hop. But yeah, go ahead and expand on that point, kind of connect it full yeah, circle. Um, like when we were doing the All Eyes on Me, a lot of like the records felt like super clunky. Sometimes there were like features that were like unnecessarily there. There were songs that probably needed to be taken out. I felt like the record was super fat. And but with this album, man. Even like down to like the right of the album, like if you like just look at the track list, you have it opens with "Somebody Got to Die," which is like a dark, dark record, and then you get blessed with like "Hypnotized" yeah. right right after it. So it's just like you go from a dark album and then you get to breathe with "Hypnotized," and when you think you're gonna breathe, you get hit with "Kicking the Door." Like and then and then right after "Kicking the Door," you think you're like on some hard shit. Then you get into "Fucking You Tonight," a smooth record. And then after Smooth Record, you get another hard record, which is Last Day. And pretty much, I don't want to go through the whole thing, but it's pretty consistent all the way through with that ride. And I feel like it's like that balance of you get your greediness of Biggie and who is just just blessed with so much talent. Just lyrically he's and flow-wise, he's just like naturally a lot better than most rappers, pretty much almost everybody. And then you get like the smartness, business edge of Diddy to kind of bring everything together and put it on the presentation that's like able for like people that are not necessarily hip hop heads to digest. Like a middle, like for you to sell, uh, how many albums did this sell, Platy? Uh, once again, yeah, it was 69,000 in the first week. So 69,000 in the first week alone. You have to have middle America, non-hip-hop heads, non-minority people buying your album. And for you to do that, yeah. you need somebody like Diddy to like have a record like Mo Money, More Problems. You have to have a record like Fucking You Tonight. And then like he's smart enough to even do a record with like um, Bone Thugs. So you have your Cleveland area. And then even like when you go down to uh, Going Back to Cali, a record we didn't even touch on, it's yeah. like that record is so yeah, important yeah, because that's a West Coast sound. There's like a, the G funk is there, and it's yeah. and it's uh, Biggie rapping over this G funk sound that's popping off on the West. And like Puffy is smart enough to understand that he needs to he needs Biggie to expand outside of the East Coast, and that's what really made Biggie grow so fast was uh, just pure talent on Biggie's side and then just, like, the keen smartness of Puffy really just, like, made them a perfect team. Literally fucking Scottie Pippen and uh, Michael Jordan right here, man. Yeah, man. I mean, look, did, uh, Puff is arguably one of the best businessmen ever in hip-hop. Um, and, you know, he's he's definitely he's definitely up there. He's He's got to be, in my opinion, one or two. Uh, he he's so he's so smart with again you I'm so glad you brought up the going back to Cali because actually as we as we start talking about Pac um I I thought of that record uh, again and that was one of the records I almost brought in I remember when we were texting back and forth 
um, that was almost one of the records I, I brought in. And for that reason alone, it was just like, it was just like he hit every demographic. And like you said, man, I mean, 69, uh, or 600, <laughs> uh, 690,000 uh, copies in first week. And then by 2000, which is three years later, it's over 5 yeah. million. Like, um, you know, it, it's just, it's crazy. It's, it, it's, it's insane. Um, how, how fast this album sold and for how consistently i mean that means you got to be selling hundreds of thousands for weeks yeah. on end to get to uh just just to even get to it in within three years i mean uh back then at that time in that era of music you know it was that is a hell of an achievement to be able to consist that's to do that you have to consistently sell for three years there's no way you can get to five million copies sold uh in in less in less than three years without consistently selling every week and having like longevity and these are songs that like we said hypnotized is still played today even fucking you tonight is still played today <laughs> the little kim joint the the little kim joint uh is is also played today you know so like all these things all these uh moments are like were crafted by by puff he was definitely he was definitely a. Uh, uh, a pioneer and a business mogul so um yeah versus suge who was really just essentially a, a glorified bodyguard and so um you know and, and Pac Pac had dre but then even when dre left um you know Pac kind of like he really didn't you know he really didn't have any type of structure dre was the only structure in death row in yeah. my opinion and um yeah so it's it's very interesting because Pac has this aura of, of he he was so talented and you know just like Biggie, but at the same time Biggie was able to just with 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 two albums he was able to accomplish more than what Pac did and you know it's it's yeah. crazy it's and crazy like, it's about. weird too man because like in 2017 a lot of the people that are probably listening to this podcast are anywhere from like 16 to probably early 40s could be the demographic yeah so like a lot of people don't realize yeah. like we grew up with biggie like we we know biggie as a superstar pretty much our whole lives like at this time in 1997 mm -hmm. hip-hop is not the most dominant thing on the radio hip-hop is still growing like it's not where it is now where hip-hop is like there's blur lines with hip-hop and pop music right now like uh hip-hop yeah. is not people like People's parents aren't listening to hip hop. Like a lot of homes yeah. are not uh, listening to it. So like for him to like go out and set those many uh, selling those many records, it's like crazy impressive. Like we think like Biggie superstar, Tupac superstar. Of course they're selling these records, but you have to realize that like parents aren't buying these albums. So it really has to be good and impactful for it really to jump off shelves the way it did in 1997. Yeah, man. I'm I'm glad I'm glad you brought that point up, man. And I think that's a perfect way to close this podcast cuz man, that was this was this was a great discussion, Will. I'm glad I had you on. Um and once again, if you are a, a fan of hip hop, which I assume you are listening to this podcast, and if by some way, you know, I'm sure you heard the name Biggie and you've probably even heard some songs by him, but if you haven't by any ch chance heard this album front to back, you gotta do it man you gotta do it this is one that 
you know, it's not just one of those records that you have to listen to because an old head tells you to. No, this is a really dope record, a really dope album, a double album. Like Lil Gil said, man, 24 tracks of just pure <laughs> fire and not really not really any misses on here, you know. And so, well, um, go ahead and go ahead and plug yourself and tell them where to yeah, find you. Um... I am Will Gill. You can find me on Twitter at I am underscore Will Gill. I do a podcast with my my partner, Vontae the Pro, uh, Hip Hop Review Podcast. So if you guys want to check out what we do, we do album reviews. We kind of keep everything lighthearted. We kind of try to be entertaining. And uh, we got views, more, I mean, uh, more life, Drake coming up next. So if you guys want to go over there and <laughs> check it out, man, we should be up in about next week when you guys listen to this pod. It'll be the week of, so... Check us out, Hip Hop Review Podcast. We're, we're on every platform, so just search it and you'll find us. Yeah, man, check them out. They are one of the OGs of Hip Hop Podcasts. You know, I, I think I told this story. I don't know if it was on your podcast or mine, because I've actually been on your podcast and I hope to come back on again soon. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, so the story goes uh, really quickly is that uh, when I when I first started uh, getting into hip hop and you know like getting into podcasting um, podcasting about hip hop I've I've been into hip hop for years but you know I never really thought to podcast and start doing podcasts till last year of hip hop and so then when I searched this had to be about two years ago now and maybe maybe even less than two years ago between a year and a half and two years ago I searched and they were one of the only people on iTunes that did hip hop reviews. Um, you know, I, I think you started with what was it? Rodeo was the first one, yeah, but never, never released, released Rodeo. Right? So first official one was a uh, J Rock eighty seven oh one. Wait, no, that's not eighty. 80- oh wow, nine double yeah, five nine. <laughs> You're I was dyslexic. Thinking about, uh, Usher right now. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, uh, yeah. So so yeah, man. Check out check them out. And subscribe to them as well for some dope content. So as for me, you can find all my stuff on my Twitter. That's Chris Platty. And the Twitter handle is at Crispy1132. C-H-R-I-S-P-Y-1132. On there, you'll find a link to my iTunes and my Podbean, whichever platform you prefer. And if you're on iTunes, don't forget to rate five stars and leave a review. Because I am doing a podcast soon where I will be shouting out everyone who wrote a review. So please write a review, uh, hopefully a positive one, and uh, you will get shouted out on the podcast. So thank you to all that have written reviews so far. And um, I encourage the people who want to write reviews to hurry up and get them in for a special shout out on a podcast. And while we're doing special shout outs, I do want to shout out Cassie. Um, Cassie was on my Snapchat and she Follow me. My Snapchat, by the way, is at Crispy1132. It's the same as my Twitter handle, C-H-R-I-S-P-Y-1132. On there, I put some sneak peeks, and I put up a sneak peek of this uh, of this podcast. And um, they didn't. I said the first person to guess it gets uh, gets a shout out on the podcast. So Cassie actually guessed what the podcast was. So shout out to Cassie. I'll put her Twitter in the in the description. So follow her. And so, again, if you don't have a Twitter, uh, find me on Facebook at Chris Platty. And also, uh, the easiest way is to just Google me. Google Chris Platty. That's C-H-R-I-S space Platty, P-L-A-T-T-E. And if you Google search my name, the first four things that come up are my Twitter, my Facebook, a link to my podcast on iTunes, and a link to my podcast on Podbean. 
So that is the easiest way to find all of my content. Uh, share and subscribe and support on all the platforms. I greatly appreciate it. So, Will, I'm going to toss it back to you. Uh, once again, man, thank you for coming on. This is a special podcast. I had to have you on it. So thank you for coming on, man. Thank you, man. It's been an honor to uh, work with somebody that you could Google his name and find his information. That's a, that's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. As, it's it's as, been an honor. Thank you. As my friend Kalo would say, Google me, bitch. <laughs> Shout out Kalo, uh, one, of the, one of the OGs of the podcast game as well. So uh, thank you once again for checking out this podcast. Stay tuned for major announcements. And as we close this, once again, this is Notorious B.I.G., Life After Death. Strictly hip-hop classic album review with Will Gill. See you next time. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.